0: Section 54 of Old Rail Fence Corners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrea. Old Rail Fence Corners. Edited by Lucy Leavenworth Wilder Morris. Mrs. Arabella Merritt, 1859 my father's family were among the early pioneers in martin county minnesota i well remember an emergency that tried our wits and i suppose was equal to gull for developing arm muscle in a young girl it certainly developed patience. much snow had fallen during the winter of eighteen fifty eight nine and the sloughs of which there were legions in that country had frozen up in the fall full of water toward the last of february the snow began to melt a heavy rain setting in on february twenty eighth caused it to melt very rapidly until at last the whole prairie was flooded making it impossible for us to leave our homes for any great distance it was during this time that the flour and meal gave out what could we do bread we must have at last i thought of the coffee mill one of the old-fashioned kind fastened to the wall i filled it with wheat and went to work never shall i forget those long hours of grinding to furnish bread for five in the family never bread tasted sweeter some of the time i would grind corn for a change and make meal not to be sure the fine meal of to-day but we pronounced it good then our coffee was parched rye while i was grinding the wheat we had bread only twice a day at noon for three weeks there was nothing on the table except baked potatoes and salt. Finally the salt gave out, and for four meals we had only potatoes. At last the flood abated, and my father started for Mankato, forty miles distant, to procure some provisions. The roads were something awful, but after three days he returned with flour, meal, and other needed supplies. What a rejoicing to see him safely back! I was glad to be released from my job as miller on august twenty first sixty two a messenger came through our little settlement situated on east chain lakes in martin county telling us there seemed to be trouble at the indian agency it was feared it might prove serious our settlement consisted of six families as there was scarcely any ammunition in the neighborhood one of the men started to mankato forty miles distant to procure some when he reached Gordon City, halfway, he was told that it would not be safe to proceed. Even if he did, he could get no ammunition, as Gordon City could not secure any, and Minnesota was short. The massacre had begun on outlying country round New Ulm. Our little settlement awaited anxiously his return. He had left Saturday morning, August 22nd. Late in the afternoon of that day, my father and mother were away some little distance from the house. I was alone. Chancing to look out, I saw twenty mounted men coming across the prairie. My heart stood still. Where could I hide? At last I decided to run to our nearest neighbors about a quarter of a mile away, warn her and we could die together. She and her three little children were alone, as it was her husband who had gone for ammunition. I ran, glancing back once. I could see the horsemen were increasing their speed. I reached your house and rushing in said, Missus Fowler, the Indians are coming. Calmly, she stood up and with a white face said, Well, we can die here as well as anywhere. Just then her little girl of eight years with a child's curiosity ran out and peeped around the corner of the house. She came running back saying, Why, they are white men. The reaction nearly took all our strength. I stepped out. Just then two of our friends from Winnebago City, twenty miles east of us, rode up. They had seen me running and hurried after me, guessing my fear that they were Indians. I went back home, where there were twenty mounted men from Winnebago City, their objective point being Jackson, fourteen miles west of us, where there was a small Norwegian settlement. My mother and I got supper for them, and they went on their way. During the night a messenger came from Winnebago, asking how long since they had left. He said there were orders for them to go to Medelia. He found them before morning and turned their course for Medelia. Had they gone to Jackson they would have been in time to prevent the massacre of fourteen persons which took place where they were holding church services. A few escaped and told that it was a band of five Indians that did that awful work of killing and mutilating. We were not aware of that cruel work so near us on that bright Sabbath day early in the spring a son of dr mills of red wing came bringing with him his pretty wife and two children two and three years old they had taken land six miles north of us and with the exception of an old trapper who resided alone near them our settlement was their nearest neighbours on that morning my mother said to father i think it would be best to go up and bring mrs mills and children down here for a few days when father reached the Mills's home, he found that Mr. Mills had gone out on the prairie that morning to look for his yoke of oxen that had strayed away during the night. Mrs. Mills left a note for him, telling where she and the children had gone, and gladly came to our home. About four o'clock our neighbor returned, saying there was no ammunition to be had, and that we must all leave our homes at once. It was not safe to stay." in those days every settler had hoops and canvas for his wagon as those were what he had come into that part of the country with so with all haste the prairie schooners were prepared with true eastern forethought for her family my mother put in food enough for several days a bed and trunk of clothes one wagon we found would not hold all our goods and us two meantime no word came from mr mills we left our home just at dusk a sad band of six families we took Mrs Mills and family with us she not knowing what might have been the fate of her husband but bravely and quietly going with us every farmer drove his herd of cattle and horses it was all they could move one of our neighbours mrs george fowler sister of the late mrs j j hilmer was confined to her bed with a babe 2 weeks old she had to be carried on a bed in their wagon Mr. Fowler's father, mother, and sister from New Haven, Connecticut, were spending the summer in the West with their son. We started for Winnebago City, our nearest town east. We traveled all night to make that twenty miles, making slow progress with our heavy wagons, poor roads, and herds. That country was full of sloughs at that time often during the night the wagon would become stuck and the men would unhitch the horses we would walk out on the tongue of the wagon to more solid ground then they would hitch chains to the end of the tongue and pull it out we reached winnebago in the morning and found the people had fled in fright like ourselves there were only a few men left to guard the post office and store we could not find safety there we felt more fright Thinking we were left behind to danger, we continued our course east all that day. From all crossroads, wherever the eye turned, we could see wagon-loads of people and herds of stock coming. Ask anyone where they were going, the answer would be, don't know, going where the crowd goes. On our second day out, Mr. Mills found us and his wife and children. I often wonder how he did in that crowd. At night the women and children slept in the wagons while the men lay under the wagons and kept guard. Every settlement we came to was deserted, every farmhouse empty, desolation everywhere. We traveled on until the afternoon of August 25th, when we reached the town of Albert Lee. Much to our joy we found this not deserted. There were five hundred of that frightened crowd camped near Albert Lee that night. We camped near a farmhouse on the outskirts of the town. We found there some fine people who kindly took Mrs. Mills and children into the house. Five days after our arrival at this farmhouse, Mrs. Mills gave birth to a fine boy. We stayed here several days when the news came that it was thought the trouble was over and it would be safe to return. Only three families returned to our settlement, the others going to relatives farther east. On the second night after reaching home, we were awakened toward morning by our neighbor saying, "'There are buildings burning on the farms west of us.' We arose and dressed, lighting our lamps. My father and the neighbor, Mr. Holmes Fowler, said they would creep up carefully and see what it meant. Mother and I were left alone. Father returned shortly, saying, "'The vacant houses are all burned. I shall send you and Mother, Mrs. Fowler, and her three children to Winnebago to get men to come to our rescue.' We will stay here and guard our stock. Four miles east and near our road leading to Winnebago lived two young men. Said father, You stop there and send one of the neighbors for help. We started just at break of day. When two miles from home, a sight met our gaze that surely froze the blood in our veins. There, a short distance from the road, quietly grazing in the tall slough grass, were three Indian ponies. Every moment we expected to see their riders rise from the grass and make a dash for us. Quietly we drove on, feeling more dead than alive, expecting every moment to hear that awful Indian yell. But nothing happened. During the winter, six months before, a band of one hundred Sioux Braves, their squaws and papooses camped six miles west of our home. Often several of them at a time came down to the settlement. We always gave them food and never thought of being afraid of them. When they broke camp, they camped one night near our house. How well I remember taking out a milk pan of doughnuts and passing them around. I wonder if those doughnuts left an impression. Two miles from Winnebago we had to ford the Blue Earth River. The banks were quite steep. One of our horses was a high-spirited, full-blood Morgan mare. She always made it a point to kick when going down those banks, often coming down astride of the tongue of the wagon. My brave mother was the driver that day. We reached the bank. Carefully, with steady dainty steps, head proudly raised, she slowly took us down that steep bank and across the river, bringing us safely upon the other side. I say she, for so much depended upon her, for her good mate was always gentle. Fully she seemed to realize the situation, and fully demonstrated her love, and realized the responsibility placed upon her one mate. Just before entering Winnebago, we met a company of ten mounted men going to the help of the three men we had left. They returned that day, accompanied by father and his two neighbors bringing their herds of stock. After being in Winnebago a few days, we received word that a company of fifty mounted men from Winona were coming. They had enlisted for thirty days. They were called the Winona Rangers. After a few days they came, and we were escorted home by them. They built a barracks in our settlement and guarded a portion of that section of country for their enlisted term. The government sent the 25th Wisconsin Regiment to Winnebago where barracks were built. Portions of companies were distributed throughout the adjoining counties, a company of them taking the place of the Winona Rangers when their time was up owing to my mother's ill health we removed to homer where her brother lived two hundred and fifty miles we went in our covered wagon through the cold and snow of november my father had made the trip weeks before and driven our stock down in our wagon was stored what little we could bring of our household goods the rest was left on thanksgiving day of eighteen sixty two we reached my uncle's house in the neighborhood where we now live End of section 54. Recording by Andrea.